0: Hi, friends. Thanks for being here. It's Sam Preeti. I'm jumping in at the beginning of the episode to remind you that my May books are open uh, for all chart readings and transit readings, and that by the beginning of next week, my June books will be open as well. Uh, I offer natal chart readings, transit readings, sinistry readings, which means it's you and a partner's, whether it's a business partner or domestic partner. I read your charts together. I love doing charts for uh, parents. For their kids. Uh, just uh, head on over to Astrogeomantica.net or check me out uh, at Sampriti life uh, on Instagram. As always thank you for being here. Hello and welcome to Astrology and Stuff, a podcast where we try to talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. My name is Simpreeti. I'll be your host and sacred clown today. Thank you so much for being here. Well, friends, we made it through all of those signs weren't they amazing? Oh my gosh. I had the best time moving through the signs with you and getting an opportunity, really an excuse to spend hours upon hours, um, diving in, in a deep way, in a way that I can only do when I'm talking about it. And, um, I think that, that definitely has a lot to do with my own Mercury placement. <laughs> and um, and I really hope that um, it made sense in the ways that it needed to make sense and that it gave you uh, questions that you can go and find answers for um, or at least enjoy the journey uh, on your way to finding those answers. So as promised, this week we dive into... The process of extrapolating useful information and having a good experience with our natal charts. Um, I wanted to follow up a, all of that—that that first section of the podcast, a, a dive through the signs themselves. Very, ex- it's very explanatory. I wanted to follow that experience up with one that is more applicable and practical, uh, and one that can be one that you can kind of take from the episode. Listening to me parsing through natal charts and kind of explaining, yes, explaining um, the rationale and some of the structure, so that you can take what makes sense for you and go try it yourself and turn it into an experience that is completely your own. So I will be diving into our first chart today, and that is going to be my own chart. So there are, there's some content, uh, CWs here. Um, I will be getting into astrology that, uh, describes certain painful parts of my life. And if you do not have the space for that or the capacity for that today, then perhaps think about um, maybe you listen to this episode on a different day where you do have the capacity. Um, anyhow, mostly the intention is for you to get, because nobody really, I I didn't really, no, nobody has a, has the words maybe? No, I don't have the words. I've not seen, um, a platform or been exposed to a platform where people get to observe others doing readings. Um, just like, on, on the air. Um, obviously like we've seen tarot readings and, and perhaps you've sat in on like your friends natal chart reading. That's a, that's really a bonus that, but for the, the greater amount of, of us, the greater population of us getting into astrology and really trying to understand it. It's a lot of books. It's a lot of podcasts. Thank you for being here. Um, it's getting your own chart read. It's gifting chart readings to friends and family, some of whom want their chart read, some of maybe don't want their chart read. Um, but I just, I wanted to kind of um, deliver a chunk of content uh, for the next couple of weeks that you can perhaps kind of rely on, especially um since we, we are chart, we always start with our own chart in our journey through astrology, um, in our journey into, um, creating a vocabulary, acquiring and creating a vocabulary for stuff that we just simply didn't have vocabulary for before. Um, it, it is really, really helpful to, maybe hear somebody touch on a specific experience in their lives and maybe attach that to vocabulary of a certain uh, transit in their chart. And maybe you have a similar transit or you have a similar experience in your life. And it's just kind of a touching point of uh, of connection, of how this language of astrology, yes, it is vast, but it is just one language. it is it it is vast and it describes things that everybody goes through uh, in one sense or another. So at the end of the day, as always, my intention is to deliver a sense of interconnectedness and of community. And um, so on that point, let's dive in. Okay, so I'm gonna start. With the structure of of reading a natal chart that I initially learned, I don't often use it um, sp- very you know perfectly letter you know to the letter anymore. But I did uh, nearly all of the re- for all of the readings that I did for the first five years, and um, and that's important, right? It is important to have a structure so that you can find freedom within that structure so that then your own structure, your own way of doing things can emerge from that. But first we need training wheels, right? And so I am borrowing a way of of interpreting and reading and interpreting and describing astrological natal charts from Jeffrey Wolf Green. Um, he channeled, uh, he and his... Um, teachers his uh, from India channeled, um, evolutionary astrology, uh, back in the day, go, go look him up, um, and definitely look up his teachers as well, because there is a very important, uh, lineage there, a non-white lineage there. And we have the very white Jeffrey Wolf Green bringing this wisdom to the West. So I just kind of want to, let's do our due diligence, um, as people who are benefiting from um, very literally appropriated information and wisdom, but also wisdom, but and also wisdom that was, um, it was a relationship, right? It was it was given, okay. It wasn't just taken. It was absolutely given. But let's let's be very conscious of all of the people, and all of the lineages at play here. Um, so evolutionary astrology, uh, he, this, is, this is the framework that I learned and that I was comfortable with um, for the first five to six years of my uh, astrological practice. So that is the framework that I'm going to be using to describe my own chart. And this, tra- this tra- framework of chart reading, it begins with the planet Pluto. Because we, evolutionary astrology, it's a very zoomed out, initially, we we start with the most zoomed out, we start with the most massive, and we kind of bring it in and hone it in. Um, I describe it almost as a, like an hourglass shape, where we begin at the soul, limitless, um... Boundless, always been here, always going to be there. And then we narrow our scope into the personal planet, the nodes and the personal planets, and that's like that narrow part of the um, the middle part of the the hourglass. And then we fan back out into the outer planets, um, and it's just he. If you're super interested in the why's and the wherefore and the rationale of this please go read Jeffrey Wolf Green Um, for our purposes today. This is just how we're going to do it. So we start with Pluto because Pluto is the planetary representative of the soul. You got it. Uh, And so if we want to, when when we are looking at our natal chart, we are seeing a framework, a chessboard, if you will, that is set up In a very particular way, why, why is it set up this way? Why do I have sun and moon in the 10th house and square in my Sun squares off my rising sign, which is cancer and why is that? Well, the easy and hard answer is because my soul set it up that way, because what are, what's the soul's main desire? It's to evolve. It's to transform. It's to transmute using more expanded language, uh, the soul's main desire is to know itself. And the soul is, the soul understands that, you know, we've got this core wound of separation, um, that we are, we were once all one thing. We were all one with source and source was us and in blah, blah, blah. And at a moment, Source wanted to experience itself in ways that required reflection and separation. It wanted to experience itself in a different way, in perhaps quadrillions and quadrillions of different ways. (laughs) And so each soul is a facet of that central source. And each soul is experiencing self and other through a myriad of different combinations. And all of that information, all of that experience is going back to, you guessed it, source, right? It's just this main experience of like evolving and bumping up against each other and learning and experiencing and experiencing and experiencing, From what I understand, and it's very little, but from what I understand at this point, becoming human, incarnating as a human on the planet earth is one of the most coveted experiences that a soul can have. And and there are a lot of lineages that describe it that way. Um, And one of the reasons that I I particularly believe and attach to helpfully uh, is that being a human we get so much shit done here there is such a level of density here in the third dimension on earth that the soul it's like going to um, getting uh, an advanced degree, in, but also at the same time, getting a uh, an accelerated degree. <laughs> it's like you're getting your PhD in two years, and uh, or you're getting undergrad through your doctorate in two years' time. That's that's humanity. That's a soul becoming human. You know how much shit we get done here. You know how much blood, sweat, and tears on the human level equates. To on the on the soul level, it's like um, diploma after diploma after doctorate after masters after all of that. Like we are racking our souls by being embodied here on the planet Earth, are just raking in all of this evolutionary experience, and so the the Pluto placement. Is what we look to that first because we want to get a bead as before, you know, as we we interpret the rest of the chart, we want to be informed by the soul's characteristics and purpose and where the soul seats itself in this chessboard of a natal chart that depicts it's a it's a 2D representation of our incarnational journey. Okay. So my Pluto, I look at the sign, I look at the degree and I look at the, the, the house that it's in. My Pluto is in, is at 26 degrees Libra. And it's in just, if you read whole sign charts, it's going to be in the fourth house. I don't particularly do that. It doesn't vibe with me. It's not right or wrong. It's just a flavor, right? Um, so the way that I interpret is, uh, my Pluto is just two degrees into my fifth house. Okay. And it's retrograde. Okay. I have a lot of, of retrograde, um, a lot of retrograde, uh, planets, uh, especially, specifically outer planets in my, uh, in my chart. And so, what does this tell me? Okay, I know that Pluto makes its way slowly through each sign, sometimes as few as you know, 12 years, sometimes as many as 25 years. And, um, Pluto in Libra, uh, Pluto, excuse me, Pluto moves through these signs, creating these many generations. Okay, uh, because what we look for what we look to Pluto for in our charts is that sense of collective consciousness evolution, that soul of the self that is consistently going to be moving us in a particular direction. And so Pluto, for the sake of evolution, uh, so Pluto in Libra, this mini generation, we are here, our soul is... Um, here to do that evolutionary transmutational alchemical work, uh, within the parameters of Libra. And so the way that I interpret that personally, I, I don't, I haven't heard a lot of people interpret it exactly this way, uh, or even talk about, you know, Pluto and Libra is <clears throat> we, the Pluto and Libra generation, and it, it ended in, I think, nineteen eighty. and it began in 1972, I believe, Um, we're here to transmute codependency. We are here to wake up to the, the fun job of waking up to the fact that codependency is indeed a thing. It's not the norm. But because most of us were raised with, in just this, this soup of codependency, codependent relationships, because sure as hell our parents weren't taught that you're raised by boomers. Um, we, it just was what we grew up with. And so the evolutionary work of Pluto in, um, in Libra, we are the more that we desire to align with our souls, And the more that we like go out of our way to be live in integrity with our souls, with our soul self, with meaning all of the layers of ourself, the faster that process is going to happen and the more intensely that process is going to happen until one day you wake up and you're like, that's all I'm doing. I'm only. I'm only transmuting codependency and I'm only learning how, what it's like to live in interdependence. That's my full-time fucking job. Okay. Thanks Pluto in Libra. So (laughs) So this Pluto and Libra in my fifth house, excuse me, let's do Pluto retrograde. So Pluto is retrograde, meaning the retrograde, when the planet is retrograde, the, the energy and the experience and the movement, moving the energy of that planet of embodiment is, it's going to be an internal, uh, an internal experience inward. The energy moves inward, downward, and backward. Okay. Whereas if a planet is direct, that energy naturally moves forward, upward, and outward. Okay, so having Pluto in the fourth house, whether it's in the fourth house or whether it's like early into the fifth house, this is at a very internal part of my chart. Because remember, the the bottom of your chart is like the most internal part of you, and the top of your chart is the most external public part of you. Okay, and so I have a cluster of, a fuck we could say, and we'll get into this, of retrograde planets in Libra at the bottom of my chart, towards the bottom of my chart rather. And so a lot of this, a lot of how I experience the the more massive, deeper um, journeys, like the journey of the soul's evolution, <laughs> it's, yes, it's internal for everybody, but a lot of people who don't have Pluto retrograde or who have direct pluto at the top of their chart they that this part of themselves is going to be more public it's going to be more involved in relationship it's going to be less hermit-y and less cave-like when i am doing the work of of my pluto and my saturn and my mars and those of you who are astrologers you're like whoa shit you have all of those planets together you have a, a Libra stellium of all of your malefics. Awesome. How are you um, ever going to smile again? <laughs> and they're all retrograde. Um, th- there's a cave experience. There is a very important um, the 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 experience of of growth and of maturation and of self agency. I have to go inward. Um, I have, I have to have a lot of inner time. Okay. To, to move through the hard times. A lot of other people, they have to, they have to talk it out. They have to cling. They have to go find people. They have to cling to the people in their life. They, they mash it out through their careers or through their art or through study or something like that. My experience is very different. It's Uh, and if you have a stellium down in your IC at the, in your fourth house, um, and if you have those heavier planets down there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there's, it's really easy to feel raw and exposed. So having safe spaces, um, so that when, especially when you're going through the growing times and the growing pains is very, very, very important. Another way of putting that is my experience of my soul is very internal and very um, that retrograde gift, it helps me kind of time travel. And no matter where I am in my life, if I bump up against a certain energy or a certain lesson... I, um, it feels like I have an immediate accessibility to all of the shit that I went through in my childhood, and that I went through in, or you know, early and early-ish development. It feels very immediate, not in a, a re-traumatizing way, but in a, a treasure chest way, a bank of like, oh yeah, connecting the dots. Here's this, and it gives me, it's a it's a resource that gives me clarity. It gives me, um, uh, above all, context and uh, perspective and an overall sense of, oh, this is why I'm here. Okay, this is why that happened. That's like the big why. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, So yeah, that that is Pluto. And the, let me see. So a little bit, so nothing is transiting my Pluto yet, but in... Oh, I'm so excited about this! Can't you tell? Um, in I know squint. How many months? Okay, uh, in August, the South Node will be newly in Libra and will be transiting my Pluto, uh, and so this is it's 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 coming for me. So anytime you have like a Pluto transit you are going to, it, things are going to feel existential. Things are going to feel big and things are going to bring you into a deeper connection with your personal capital P power. I've talked, uh, some about, capital P power and little p power and that relationship between Pluto and Mars and how the self agency of like where I move my body and what I do with it and how I exert my power in my decision-making here on this human plane. That's very Mars, but where I, I, my soul expresses itself. How much resistance am I putting to uh, uh, how much resistance? How much am I resisting my soul expressing itself? How much? Um, how much do my decisions and my my physical boots on the ground life? How much does that line up with my soul's desires? So much of that is unconscious, right? It, it's the whole purpose of incarnation is to bring the unconsciousness to consciousness, right? Or one of the purposes, and so. Pluto transits are automatically, especially like Pluto squares. I've been going through the the old um, Pluto square Pluto, um, that kind of pre midlife crisis bullshit that we get to to go through in our our late thirties and early forties, um, where natal Pluto uh, is being squared by present Pluto. Pluto in Capricorn was was all about that for me. Um, it's this. This bumping up against and coming to consciousness of like, oh, this is how I'm not living in alignment with my soul. So, automatically, fundamentally, that's going to be hard. That's going to be big. That's going to be hard. That's going to be existential, but it's for growth. It's for growth. It's always for good. It's always like the mother hen, Pluto's the mother hen, bringing us back into the fold of like, hey, remember, you are a soul in a human body. You embodied to experience very particular special things and and remember this is how we do it you got a little off track and because this is a very glittery world and and pain is hard and uh but just remember what you're capable of and remember what me the soul actually signed up for okay so yeah there's a pluto transits can be a big come to jesus the south node coming in for my pluto Um, honestly, I don't want to think about it right now. I I'm just going to be very transparent. I don't want to, I don't have the capacity to think about it right now. And that can be the case. And honestly, as long as you're conscious, we don't need to overthink Pluto transits. That's my, my opinion. Every other astrologer may disagree with me, but we really, why, why are we going to overthink Pluto transits? it's that that one planet. I'm gonna overthink a mercury transit. I'm gonna prepare for a venus transit and I have and I'm so glad that I did or else I probably would have gotten divorced or been in the gotten some, you know, inpatient help <laughs> if I hadn't prepared for that that venus um transit that I had. Um it's the pluto transits are like it's the soul. I mean, what is, what is there to prepare for? It's going to happen. I think that it's any preparation for a Pluto with, say for just like understanding the bare basics and knowing that things might get a little soupy for a little bit and then it's going to pass. Um, it's like aging. Why am I going to overthink this? Um, any overthinking that I'm going to do about aging is simply a reflection of my judgments on what aging should and shouldn't be. So any overthinking that I'm going to do about a Pluto transit, it's simply me trying to avoid a fucking Pluto transit. I guarantee it. Uh, especially if it's the South node coming from my Pluto, it's just growing up. That's all it is. It's growing up, not necessarily in a Saturn way, um, getting your, Knuckles wrapped by a ruler by the nun. Um, it's more of a growing up of like coming home to the soul, and that can mean the death of a reality that your human was attached to. That your soul was like, Oh, we didn't sign up for that, cancel it. And and yeah, you can be left holding an empty bag (laughs) with that feeling of like, Uh, what? (laughs) Um, but. I think we've all been through plenty of that, whether it's been Pluto related or not over the past three to four years. And I think we're kind of used to it. Yeah, it sucks, but we know it's temporary and we know it's for our good. And we know that we would absolutely not go back and undo any of this work. Okay. So let's move on from Pluto. The next thing I would look into are the nodes, the North Node and the South Node, because up until this point, we've only experienced Pluto, and therefore we've only experienced the soul. We've only experienced limitlessness and um, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. So in order for a soul to become embodied, it's got to submit itself to the 3D, and part of the 3D is time, past and future and present. The, um, North node is our, and this is the way that I learned it. And this is the way that makes sense to me and that I experience it. And that I interpret it. The North node is our experience. Excuse me. I'm going to start with the South node. The South node is our experience of our past. It's everything that we've been through already in past lifetimes, everything, and therefore all of that programming. Okay. All of the mastery, all of the fuck ups, all of the unfinished stories um, a lot of times we could describe this as karma uh, not as a punishing mechanism but simply as an experience of time cycles um, and our our uh, and we land in this body and uh, like we we've all had those experiences in our own lives but and we've also like seen those like those three year olds that sidle up to a piano and just like start playing chords and start playing, you're like, and like nobody taught them. It's like, okay, you obviously, this is not your first rodeo. (laughs) There is recognition here. That's like an extreme illustration, but it happens. And we all, it may not be playing the piano, but we all have these, these parts, these little things in our life where we just know we just were good at it. Like my son, he, um, I forget where his notes are, but he, he just kind of, a lot of it is because he's got a lot of mutable energy, but he just, he rolls with the punches. Um, he, it's like, he always knew how to walk. He always knew kind of what his body did. My daughter, not so much. Um, it feels very much like this is her first rodeo or at least her first in a very long time. Cause everything is very surprising um, to her. <laughs> um, anyway, the fu- the future is depicted by the North node. And by future, I don't mean like literal, like reading your future. It is the drumbeat of our soul's desired direction for evolution And as long as like, no matter how dark it is around us and how many questions we have and how much uncertainty there is, as long as we put one foot in front of the other in that direction of the North node, the North star, we know we are moving in alignment with our soul's, you know, desired purpose. Okay. Um, the nodes are here to kind of hem us in and, keep us in, it's like this, this, it's like chicken wire, but for time. And otherwise the, like the soul needs, it's this first layer of the soul having an experience of bumping up against something, because if you're limitless and you're everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once, there's nothing to bump into, right? Um, And disembodied. Uh, But when you have a body, like first you have to move into time and, and so there is a lot of our experience with the nodes. There's a lot of like bumping up against, um, like experiences of past and future. Now I am speaking particularly as somebody who has a cardinal grand cross, meaning my North node is in cancer. My South node is in Capricorn. My son is in Aries and I've got this Libra stellium of Mars, Saturn, and Pluto in Libra. So, nothing, save my Saturn squaring the nodes, and I'll get into that. Um, nothing's like super squared. It's always kind of like a couple of degrees off, but there is a generalized cross, like a lot of squares. Uh, exp- There's a lot of feeling of bumping up against shit in my experience. My husband, his um, his son is a couple of degrees away from his South Node. So he has a very different experience of personal experience of how he embodies like what his embodied experience of his nodes are. Um but we'll get into that later. So North node Cancer, 19 degrees Cancer in my first house. Uh, South Node, 19 degrees Capricorn in my seventh house. So um, I didn't really talk about fifth house with Pluto because I was really going on and on and on. So I'm sorry about that. But let's talk about the signs and the house placements. So my... Cap, uh, Capricorn South node in the seventh house. Um, to me, it's just like plain as the nose on my face. It's such a, there is, um, there is such a, a seriousness that I am, that I very can easily just be completely ensconced in, in my life, specifically in my relationships that, my soul magnetizes opportunities in my life to pull me the fuck out of this seriousness and over seriousness, and you know that's that's very Capricorn, right? It's like, well, because this is the way that it's done, and and tradition, and da 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 da, da. and the the South Node in the seventh house, you're gonna have you're gonna have relationship issues. You just are because this is a point, not a planet, but a point that is being embodied within the realm of relationship. It doesn't mean you're going to have horrible relationships all the time because it's your self-node and that's what you're trying to, to work away from. It's the lion's share of your, uh, we can call it karma it bubbles to the surface within your relationships. Um, I'm just going to speak from, I here. um, there is, I've gotten hurt a lot in my relationships and I, I have an experience of victimization within my, my, my relationships. A lot of my relationships, those two things are separate we can conflate or I can conflate and do conflate them all the time, i.e. that person hurt me, I'm a victim. I, am, I don't have power here because that person hurt me, okay? That's conflation. The reality is um, I have victim issues. I have a victim mentality um, that my soul really wants to a lot of opportunity to transmute and to alchemize. And it's chosen to do that through the venue or through the container of personal relationships. Um, And there is definitely a sense of, uh, with the South Node of, oh God, I've been here before. I've done this before. And there's a huge sense of like, uh, buck stops here. Fucking buck stops here. This isn't, yes, you know, kind of in one cycle, I'm repeating a pattern, but in the greater cycle, I am ending the pattern. I am, I'm having to repeat it so that I can become conscious within the pattern that I'm actually in a pattern so that I can end this pattern and I can choose a different one. There's a lot of like, I mean, think of the the Scorpio South node for the past almost year and a half of just this continuous bubbling to the surface of like death portals and loss and power struggle and um, underworld bullshit and from unconsciousness to consciousness, that whole, all of that, it's been nonstop. It's been a constant Kind of reverse buffet of noticing like all this shit die off. Okay. So for the personal South Node, that's a lifetime of patterning of just being aware of like, "Mm, the buck stops here. Okay. And a lot of that patterning. It, or a lot of the work that gets done with the south node is doing is the fact of, of, of doing the work in a way that incorporates unconditional self-love and unconditional self-acceptance. Because I'll tell you one thing, south node work doesn't get done. Tr- true transmutation doesn't happen. True alchemization does not happen without unconditional self-love and unconditional self-acceptance. So my Capricorn south node asks is immediately going to see something and like try to dominate that shit and try to cleanse that shit and try to out-meditate that shit and do the work and do the work and do the work and it's serious and it's my dharma and destiny until I recognize that that is an outmoded pattern for me. What is my preferred pattern, this incarnation? It's my cancerian north node in my south, uh, my cancerian north node in my first house. So it, when I get readjusted, it is from external to internal. So from Capricorn to cancer, from out there to in here, from seventh house to first house, from, Oh, blaming that fucking relationship. Look at this guy over here. He doesn't pick his towels up. He doesn't appreciate me. Blah, blah, blah. Look at, I remember that ex-boyfriend. I remember him, man, he really did a number on me. Into the first house that is, and of, of, uh, the sign of cancer. What is my own emotional responsibility in this moment? What's my job? I don't feel good. How do I, what's my accountability for my own personal emotional health? How can I become, how, what is the emotional, uh, what is the decision or what is the experience that reflects emotional authority back to me in this moment? And be, this seventh house, first house experience is so much of, it's, it's coming back to the self. It is, nobody gets taken care of until I take care of myself. And that is compounded with, um, with my Aries sun uh, and my cancer rising. But this journey of the nodes is very, very, it's like the lesson comes. It bubbles to the surface within the context of that South Node seventh house relationships. I notice it when I notice, uh, I'm doing the work, when I notice that I'm being so fucking serious and so rigid in this ex- in a certain experience and making it about somebody else. And and trying to dominate a situation, trying to bring it all back to authority, very Capricornian of a situation. And the work gets done when I can turn it back in on myself and meet myself with nurturance and nourishment and unconditional self-love and unconditional self-acceptance. Cancer and then the self, that that identity, that first house self-care. Um <clears throat> Uh, light stuff, right? Very, uh, easy breezy. <laughs> um, so then from the nodes, uh, we, okay. So I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna talk about, uh, planets squaring the nodes while I'm talking about the nodes. Cause this is important. Um, a lot of us have planets, planetary bodies or luminaries squaring our nodes. Um, I have one in particular, it's Saturn, uh, squaring off on of my nodes. My Saturn is 20 degrees Libra retrograde in my fourth house. And it squares my 19 degrees Cancer, Capricorn, North and South node in my first and seventh house. And <clears throat> so sad, um, any time we've got a planet squaring off the nodes. It is, and this is what I learned through evolutionary astrology. It's an indicator that in previous lifetimes, um, or for whatever reason, but the way that I was taught it's in previous lifetimes, the soul, Kind of not avoided, like judgmentally avoided, but just didn't get to a particular lesson or a particular experience uh, over the course of a certain amount of time, so that when it got to be this incarnation, when it got this, you know, this our time to incarnate, the soul was like, uh, I no, I'm not putting this off anymore. Um, the The term is called skip steps. Um, I'm not a fan. But so I just, I describe it with more words. (laughs) It's that the soul is like, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this shit now and I'm going to set it up in a way, uh, so that it's unavoidable so that no matter where I turn, it's going to be unavoidable for me to reap, to gain this experience and reap this reward. Okay. So depending on the planet that hold for tea break depending on the planet that is squaring the nodes, it's going to be a completely different experience for you uh, or for them. Um, what I'm going to describe in particular is is just my particular story, my particular planets, their very particular placements, and the very particular way that um, it shows up in my life. <clears throat> and so here's here's the content, uh, warning. So if you'd like to skip ahead, uh, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, go for it. Um, so I had an amazing experience early in my, uh, studying evolutionary astrology, um, where I was able to find astrologically in my natal chart, multiple, uh, uh, multiple situations where I was abused by father figures and, uh, throughout the first, uh, third, I don't know how long I'm going to live. So the first 20 years of my life, we'll just say. So my birth father, um, I was, uh, he, he was a very violent man. Um, lots of violence towards my mom, Uh, she divorced him when I was one and ran away and it was California. So we had, um, you know, shared custody, et cetera, et cetera. Um, lots of abuse towards me in very early childhood. And then we, you know, ran away from California, landed here, age, uh, 13 met another father figure, excuse me. Um, who proceeded to initially abuse me um, emotionally and spiritually and psychologically until uh, physical abuse began when I was 16 and lasted for about a year. Um, and, that, and so many people have stories like this. So many people have stories like this. And I, I, I'm going to stay very neutral in just giving information. Um, when I was able to study astrology, I wasn't looking for, I wasn't looking for this pattern. I was not looking, I did not approach astrology with the questions of like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Because for many reasons, but mostly because I had the privilege of getting a shit ton of help so that I wasn't so still so deeply ensconced in that particular part of healing work that requires us to ask those hard questions, like, Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? That's a very, very normal part of healing from massive trauma, okay? However, that is not exactly where I was when I came upon these aspects and this understanding and this information through evolutionary astrology. I <laughs> I was reading about squaring the nodes. I was reading case studies and I read about and I was so I'm so grateful that I came across this information how in particular Saturn squaring the nodes indicates, can indicate a, an experience of abuse specific, specifically from authority, a figure of authority. Hello, that's Saturn. And hello, my Saturn in the fourth house, um, the fourth house is early childhood development. It is the, it, it's the part of early childhood development that indicates that we have safe spaces. Um, and this Saturn being in the fourth house and squaring off the nodes, It doesn't, and you know, retrograde in the sign of Libra. It doesn't automatically mean like, please do not look at, at like a chart, um, you know, of a, of a loved one or what have you. And you see that and you're like, oh my God, they must've been abused as a, you know, as a kid, mine happened to express itself that way. Saturn squaring, then somebody with this same exact degrees, the same exact placements, the same exact signs, um, somebody, lots of people were born, on the same moment in the same hospital or in the same city that I was at that time, so they have this placement too. They might their Saturn squaring the the nodes, perhaps expresses itself with less density, uh, meaning um, with issues with authority. You know, you're gonna it's it. This placement fundamentally demands that you you come to grips with where authority sits in your life and how are lots of opportunities for us to externalize our authority. But at the end of the day, the interpretation or or, uh, at the end of the day, my interpretation of a fourth house Saturn and Libra squaring off my nodes means that forgive me if I get emotional, um, but when you look at that Saturn in the fourth house, the end, the end game is always going to be my authority rests in myself. My authority rests in myself. It's just, it, some of us need different lessons to drive that home to to bake that into the DNA. Um, and again, as as a survivor of of trauma and abuse and all that, I am not saying if you have if you have a similar history, um I'm not advising you to go look for it in your natal chart. Um, I'm advising you to do what you have capacity for. I am advising you, if I'm going to advise anything, (laughs) and that's not much, I advise you to go where the ease is, go where the pleasure is, and go where the safety is. Okay? I didn't go looking for this information. I must have been in a place where I was experiencing enough safety, enough ease, enough pleasure and enough of a, of a regulated nervous system to where it found me. Okay. Um, there is so much more in my chart that does not feel clear, right? I don't have the, oh my God, aha, about so many other things in my chart that I do have about this particular transit, uh, or excuse me, this particular point and setup, uh, relationship in my chart. Um, so, I hope that I hope I explained that okay, and I hope that it wasn't just all mush um, but you can you you can find anything in your natal chart it's it completely still gobsmacks me completely still how clear when it's meant to be clear when we have the the space for it it can be. Black and white lightning strike, clear. Okay, so um, from the nodes, we move on to the sun. And my sun is at three degrees Aries in my 10th house. And I almost said it's not retrograde. That would be hilarious. Um, uh, So the, the the Aries sun especially we're looking at the third or excuse me, the first day can of, of Aries very early in, in the Aries experience. Um, the sun is our experience of creative self-expression. Okay. In as, you know, as taught through astrology in general and evolutionary astrology in particular, um, this is where, this is where our very innate, and authentic radiance comes through. We are here and the more I study, I don't even want to say I study human design and jinkies. I want to say I want to describe that experience kind of like it's kind of like astrology, but it's so technical and it's so, there's so many details. I just let that shit wash over me and I I I keep whatever you know, I meant whatever seashells I'm meant to keep and you know, whatever the wave takes with it, it that I'll let it go. But um, that is something that Jinkies and and Human Design, it's really helped me decondition my experience of the sun. I think so often these days we're we're still deconditioning, um, and we will continue to decondition from. Um, Capitalism, patriarchy, but it's the part of those things that puts so much emphasis and pressure on making something of yourself and the underlying factor of monetizing something about yourself. Um, like we can't make anything without monetizing it, or we can't be anything without it being seen by others. And it's only at the point when it's being seen by others that it counts. So this experience of creative self-expression and inner radiance that becomes outer radiance, i.e. the sun gets, it's, it's at a lower octave, um, until, we decondition enough to the point where we are just we understand on a new level and a nervous system level that we are just here to be we are literally our like oh well what about my destiny what about saving the world what about this what about that all of that all those little rat race questions are all solved or answered rather by us simply being but being as brightly as authentically as undiminished as possible and that is the sun that is the sun it is our dna you know our consciousness allowing our dna to fully express itself to the point to where we are so bright and so radiant, and so unencumbered by the shoulds uh, that w- everybody around us witnesses that, and whether consciously or unconsciously, they start deconditioning too. They they get on that frequency, that sympathetic frequency. Like, have you ever seen um, on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, uh, the like the, you know, those little banging balls uh, on the desk, like those little metal uh, pendulum balls where um, they, they they get sympathetic with each other. And if you have enough of them close enough to each other, they will carry their, uh, they will um, start moving in the same direction as one's closest to them, or like the tuning forks, where um, tuning forks like auto-tune to you know, whatever by vibration is, you know, closest to them or most powerful. Um, that is, that is how matter works. We're all made up of waves and particles. And simply by being, like capital B being, others around us, it, it, tra- that, that wavelength Helps others around us be to their greatest potential, to their brightest potential, okay? Their most uninhibited potential, their most authentic selves. Um, it's sympathetic, right? It can't not happen. That's what, as Jupiter moves out of my sun sign um, into the next sign, that's kind of my takeaway from this time of, 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 um, the last year or so has been, there's been a lot of emphasis and focus on my son in Aries and it's, and it's in my 10th house. So let me share a little bit about that. Remember 10th house, it is, uh, it's career, right? So, you know, sun in the 10th house means I've got to have a huge, big, shiny career, right? I have to be out in the public eye and living our astrology and embodying our astrology only means, honestly, the longer I do this, the more I realize that all this is, is us figuring out where we were wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's all growth is, right? That's all learning is. That's all coming into greater and greater wisdom is. It's, it's where like this, dope, you know, Homer uh, hand against the forehead of like well i i was i totally missed the boat on that one yes on paper yes on paper um sun in aries in the 10th house uh public figure you know very very comfortable in the public eye um getting a um you know careers mean a lot to me in my life, uh, what I do for, for work, what I, what I do out in public carries a lot of weight in my chart. Yes. Um, but the more that I, my fucking soul demands greater and greater integrity, um, the more that party pooper moves through my life, the more things get nuanced, Uh, or the more nuanced things become, the more fleshed out things become. And I'm in this space now uh, that I'm understanding a different nuance, a different weight to the 10th house sun. It's It's not me saying, or I'm understanding a, a, a programming that I used to operate from of uh, I have a tenth house son. That means I have to have a good job. That means I have to be famous um, or or like important. I have to be in a place of authority. I have to be a leader. Um, th- I had the cart before the horse, where the sun was only in service to the tenth house, and like that's a super south node in Capricorn thing to believe, isn't it? Um, what has happened? What had happened was, um, as Jupiter moved through, you know, planet of abundance, planet of expansion, moved through over back, backed over my sun sign and then moved back over it um, in the past six months to a year, is that I had it backwards and that the 10th house is what serves my sun. So that we could say that no matter. Let me, let me word this in a way that makes sense. Um, that my desire for public life is A, normal, B, natural, but most of all C, here to help me become my most authentic self. So instead of me trying to shove myself into a box of a career perhaps at this moment my greatest work is how to actually be myself in the public eye how to learn how to be myself in whichever areas of public show up in my life like right now no i'm not like i'm not an actress i'm not um i'm not a ceo I'm not, uh, I'm working a part, I'm mostly a mom working a part-time job and an even more part-time astrologer. Right. And I struggled as an, as an entrepreneur, um, or I thought I struggled. I actually had a really good time, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, or it's not necessarily like I'm not known by everybody. I'm, um, it's not the way that Instagram tells you it's going to be. It's not the way that whatever capitalistic, patriarchal, uh, uh, um, filter that they're using. Um, excuse me, let me, let me go back. We are being sold a bill of goods that our public life needs to look a certain way in order to be built a public life. Tenth house includes whoever looks up to you, okay? So right now, the lion's share in this moment of my life, the lion's share of my attention and intention and energy goes towards mothering uh, you know, an eleven-year-old an and an eight-year-old and partnering with you know with my husband and and just living a life. And actually the lion's share of my energy goes to, you know, remothering myself and <laughs> refathering myself, but that's all internal, but that's also a part of it. But it's not public. Okay. So perhaps this past year especially has been a reforming and a reevaluation of of what I think, what I interpret 10th house to be. And where do I, instead of asking what's going on with my career, what's going on with my leadership and my public life, perhaps it's how in any ways, where do I feel like a leader? Where in my life do I feel like a leader already? Where in my life do I feel Like people look up to me. Where in my life do I experience the most success I experience? And do you understand how much deconditioning I've had to do so far on pulling away from what what I thought I thought was success, but really it was just what the world told me that success should be, what social media told me that success should be, what parent, parentals, teachers, bosses, hello, authority, Saturn and fourth house, all the authority issues, that kind of thing. And and that's a very important uh, thing to bring up too, is talking about my son, all of these quote unquote malefics, these um, planets that teach us these lessons through um, experiences, perhaps of hardship and challenge and constriction and power struggles. Um, this is opposite my, it's in the sign opposite to my son. And so I'm always going to have this, this or that, this or that very Aries Libra of like, well, me or other do i w- how much energy do i give to myself how much energy do i give to the other and the the power play between that is i it's hard obviously it's hard for me you can hear it it's hard for me to put words to it because it's so i'm so sublimated in it it's so just my reality it's hard to extract and observe and therefore communicate but when it comes to my son shit guys, I don't care where your sun is or what sign it's in or what degree it's in at the, at the very fundamental level, it's all about deconditioning to be your most authentic self. It all comes back to that. And there's a fucking reason why all these planets are orbiting the sun because maybe your mind, Mercury, your, your relationships and sensual uh, senses, Venus, your experience of, of expansion, Jupiter, your experience of contraction, Saturn, your personal power, uh, Mar- Mars and Pluto, all of those planets orbit the sun, orbit self, orbit, capital B being, nothing is more important. Nothing is more central to our experience than the experience of being. And I can't, obviously I'm in a moment right now, but I can't, <laughs> I can't overstate the level of just blow your mind and blow your reality that continuing to become a more authentic, you know, your most authentic version of yourself, like what, whatever that means, right? Cause it's a continuous process, but we do experience chunks, right? We do experience like chunks of time where looking back five years, I don't recognize myself because I don't feel like I was myself, and compared to where I am now, and in five more years, guys, in 2028, I'm going to be saying the same thing about 2023. And I know you are too. And I know you know what this feels like. So yeah, that is, that is sun. We want to look at, um, I have a, I don't have, like, I have a gentle trine, uh, from my son to Lilith, um which I guess just makes me a capital B bitch. No, I'm kidding. I, I love Lilith. I don't talk about her a lot because she, uh, she's, um, she's hard to talk about. She's like, there, are, there are definitely people out there. That's all they do. They talk about Lilith, but I, I definitely am of the school of if you're going to talk for a living or, or present something, go with what's what comes easiest first. And then if something becomes easy in the process, go ahead and talk about that. But she's hard to talk about for me. It's a very internal experience. Um, so we have... um Yeah, I don't really have... Other than my sun being nearly square, my rising. Uh, my sun is three degrees Aries and my rising is six degrees ca- uh, Cancer. Um, we've got a, uh, we've got a pretty tight square there. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the sun, just wrap this up. And then I'm going to wrap up this episode and I'm going to be back next week with, um, we're going to start with the rising sign and then we're going to go to the moon and, um, and then we're going to finish up uh, my chart. And I'm going to have some other comments on it, but we've, we're going into an hour now. So sun squaring, rising, sun and Aries squaring, rising in cancer. My experience with that and anybody, anybody with a 10th house sun automatically has a square ish with their rising sign. So it's going to be this experience of, uh, what's the greater authenticity here and where is my comfort level? It's, it's a very interesting give and take of <sighs> of the, the slow, incarnational, like all across the incarnation, level of awakening that lives that gets embodied through our rising sign, and the, "Hey, y'all, watch this uh, awakening and of, of our sun sign. Um, our son, and especially if you're a, a fire son, um, and especially if you are an Aries son, you, there's this huge, um, tendency and great, go for it. Right. What are we going to do? Not be ourselves, but you know, learn, um, this tendency to grow very quickly, uh, like immediately you especially I'm three degrees Aries, I'm born. And then I want to take off. I want to go experience all that this life has to, has to, to, to offer me. This bumps up against the slow boil of the rising sign of us coming into a greater and greater and greater capacity to hold the superpowers of our rising sign. And so there's this, it's not not a comfortable experience. It's not a a comfortable experience, not from a place of nourishment and nurturance. It's not a comfortable experience from a place of like the snake um, never stops shedding skin, right? It's not like it just goes through puberty and becomes what it's going to be for the rest of its life. No, it consistently, it has to shed skin and like come up against those, those, that barrier of, okay, which discomfort is more at this moment? Is it going to be the discomfort of shedding the skin or is it the discomfort of the skin getting too tight? So that's kind of the best experience that I, or the best way to describe the experience of having a son, a 10th house son specifically squaring off the rising sign. Now people with fourth house suns. They have an altogether different experience that perhaps, um, if one of you would like to submit your chart for me to anonymously or otherwise, um, describe and talk through, uh, on a future episode, I would love if, especially if you have a, uh, anything that you are hearing in this first half of this episode on my, um, uh, or this episode, this first half of my chart, if you hear anything and you're like, oh, I have the opposite of that, or I have, I have the sun in that sign, but it's like at the bottom of my chart, or what have you, this, um, this podcast only becomes better and only becomes more helpful the more uh, variances we have in astrology, In in the way, in in, um, the opportunities that I get to, the kind of astrology that I get to share with you and and talk about. So, I am going to put a pin in my chart right there, ending with my sun. So, today we covered Pluto, the nodes, um, the specific um, placement of a planet squaring the nodes, uh, and the sun. And next week we will get to that rising sign, then the moon and then Mercury, uh, Venus and Mars and, uh, hopefully the outer planets as well. Um, so again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you, um, I hope you got some out of it. And as a cancer rising, I'm always going to feel like I am borderline, if not fully committed to oversharing. So, I have to just throw that in there. If this was an overshare, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but I am training myself to trust that um just because something feels like a lot, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily too much. Okay? So, as always, I hope you have a lovely week ahead. And uh, reach out if you need anything. If you would like a natal chart reading um, or a, if you want to gift a natal chart reading or if you're going through a particular transit um, or if you want to get a couple's reading or get a reading for your child, uh, please visit my website astrogeomantica.net or hit me up on Instagram, uh, Life. As always, thank you for being here. So that's it for this episode of Astrology and Stuff. You can come back each Wednesday for new episodes, and you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page. Just search Astrology and Stuff Podcast. Bonus episodes are weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week and how that may be affecting you in your neck of the woods. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, edited, and mixed by me, Simpreeti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here.